Welcome to the So Powerful Podcast. This is your host, Jan Cancilla. You know the sound of my sewing machine means it's time for another episode. So let's get started. Good morning, So Powerful Podcast listeners. Today we are going to be speaking with Jason Miles as we continue our series, Jesus and the Poor. Good morning, Jason. How are you today? Great. How are you? Well, this is Christmas week, so Merry Christmas to you and your family. Thank you. Merry Christmas to you as well. It's an exciting time of year to think about Jesus and great time with family and friends. So yeah, we're looking forward to having a wonderful week. Oh, that's fantastic. You know, today we're going to talk about Messiah complexes, and it's an interesting topic that you don't hear about a lot, but I presume it's really important in our world. Mm -hmm. It absolutely is. It's an interesting thing to think through. And and I first heard this phrase and this topic probably 20 years ago when I was starting to learn about international relief and development work and, and working with the poor. And this concept has sort of stuck with me, this question of what is a Messiah complex and am I operating with one installed in my brain or heart or mind and, and making sure that, that uh, I don't, it's a negative phrase. And uh, we want to walk through that idea today and really explain the idea, I think, so that people are clear and get a little bit out of the conversation about just their own heart and, and mind towards serving. Yeah. So why don't we start out? Can you define what a Messiah complex is? Sure. Yeah. The concept is that in your harder mind as a development practitioner or someone who's working with the poor, you believe you're the answer. And you operate from the thesis that you going, you participating, you showing up is somehow the solution. And, and to some degree, you're then installed in the role of the, the savior of the person or people group that you're working with. So it's a negative connotation, and it's intended to make, I think, all of us think about our motives and what we're really trying to do psychologically in our own heart and mind, and, and then how that plays out through our words and our actions. Well, how would I know if, if I have a Messiah complex? Yeah, I think the heart of it really is to question yourself about the specific reasons you're going or working with people the specific reasons behind what you're believing you're doing. And I think the general idea is to ask the question, who is it that is getting credit in this situation? And credit is a big underlying thing for us psychologically. And sometimes we don't even realize what we're doing is for social status or for virtue signaling for receiving some kind of appreciation from our friends, family, the community, the culture. And if we're operating to the extent in our work with others that we're positioning ourselves so that we get credit, then it's a yellow flag or red flag that we've got something going on in our mind and our heart that's messed up. And for those of us who are believers, we want to point the way to Jesus. And we want to point clearly to the fact that he is the solution to all of our problems together as humanity broadly. And for people who uh, we want to work with, that we're not the solution. We're there to help and be of service. I imagine it's sort of easy to fall into that trap 
of, of thinking that you're the answer. How do you avoid it? What would you yeah. recommend? I think there are a couple principles to really think through. And Robert Greenleaf is a professor who's most well known for writing about servant leadership. And the basic concept here is about your hard attitude in serving and how you're positioning yourself with people. And you're responsible for how you position yourself with people. And I think the call to action for not having a Messiah complex is to serve as a servant, to come along as a servant, to be servant hearted. And specifically then in communities and culture where you're trying to help or uh, make a difference, I think the key phrase I like to camp on is co-creation, where you don't come in and think you know the answers to the problems. And in fact, it's hilarious. And I've led so many trips to abroad. To, I used to lead trips, structure trips all the time to Honduras. And then I've gone to Romania multiple times with leading trips and all over Africa. And you'll have people go and you'll realize that they have not sorted this stuff out in their own mind, where they come in and they think they actually know how to solve the problem in a place that they've been in for 30 minutes. And you just, you know, as someone who's, who's spent your life trying to work with, with people that make a difference in culture and in society, you, you just have to almost laugh, but then you have to say to them, friend, you know, let's talk through how actually change can happen in this place. And it won't be because you had an idea sitting in Des Moines, Iowa, that you think is the revolution. And it's attention and people have to sort that out because they do say, well, I, I'm educated. Well, I, I know stuff. And yes, that's true. But the reality is, if change is going to happen in a culture, it's going to be because we are sacrificial in our service, and we co-create with people in that community solutions to problems that they understand incredibly well, that we do not understand even minutely. And there's a beautiful synergy when that can happen, where there is expertise and, you know, kind of global the ideas that maybe people in the West have that uh, people in a developing country haven't heard of. But the other side of that coin is that those folks have deep and profound knowledge about their culture and society, about their climate, about the governmental situation, all of these layers of complicated factors that you just have nothing to say or understand about. And so the whole idea is co-creation. And I think a servant-hearted attitude is really central. Is there a scripture verse that comes to mind to, to help us understand? Yeah, I mean, it's a Christmas week as we're recording this. So I've always loved John 3.16, and we all know it, for God so loved the world that he gave. He's a giver and gave his only son. But there's actually 1 John 3.16 is a beautiful passage as well. If you've never kind of read both of those together, it's actually really interesting. 1 John 3.16 says, this is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. If anyone has material possessions and sees a brother or sister in need, but has no pity on them, how can the love of God be in that person? Dear children, let us love not with words or speech, but with actions and truth. And I think that verse, if you just meditate on it, think about it, is such a vital idea related to how we can work together with people who are in humble circumstance or in challenging circumstance, like we find in Lusaka, 
and in Zambia. And those two together, I come to my mind, but there are many verses that are, uh, that speak into this idea of sacrificial service and serving with an emphasis on love. I never compared those two together. That's interesting. Why do you think having a Messiah complex, whether you recognize you have it or not, why do you think that's a common issue? I think we're all wired to have this, our egoic needs need to be met. It's an ego thing. I think in a lot of ways, it's sort of a foundational issue. And we want to uh, make a difference in the world. And rightly so. I mean, everybody should have that desire to make a difference. The question is, how do you do it? And what do you lean into to make that a reality? And I think if you're not thoughtful and careful about it, you can lean into, you know, kind of having this, I know best mindset, and I'm going to be the problem solver. I'm going to be the fixer. I'm going to be the one who, you know, is in charge and God's man with a plan. If you're from a Christian context, you can have this mindset just as much as somebody who doesn't have a faith background. And I think that's the root of it is sort of an ego. And so we all need to check ourselves and ask the question, why are we serving? Is it out of true humility and God's call in our life to serve because of love? Or are we getting something out of it for ourselves that we haven't really put our, put our finger on? Well, you sort of touched on this, but this brings a question to my mind about what is the difference? What is the thought process for a Christian aid worker versus somebody who is doing it from a secular point of view? Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, I think the truth of it is, is this is a human nature issue and can be as equally whacked out <laughs> for people who are believers as people who would say they don't have any faith background, but they're humanitarians or they're working to make a difference in the world, you know, because they have a, a desire to see change in the world. I, I think for believers, there are specific passages that speak to our call to serve with humility and our call to check ourselves, and ultimately our call to point towards Christ as the answer. And to say to anyone we work with, I'm here in Jesus' name. And if you don't know about the amazing love that he's bestowed on us, let me share it when the time feels right. And we serve as a witness to his great love. And people who are humanitarians wouldn't ever have that point of view. What would they say? They would say, I'm here because we're all, you know, part of the brotherhood of man, or, you know, they'd say some positive sentiment, like, you know, we care about you. And that's just a different point of view. But I think generally speaking, everyone who's working in the developing world with communities in need, need to think through whether their mindset is sorted out right to the greatest extent possible. What is the better mindset to have? What, what, what is your opinion here? Yeah. You know, there are a few things that come to mind that I think allow the person who's trying to serve to not get burned out and to be in it for the long term and to really get clear on their own motivations and interests. And I think one of those things is gratitude and understanding that God is at work in communities and in people's lives globally in amazing ways with or without, <laughs> and, you know, that, that the truth is, is that 
he's working in powerful ways. And to observe that and to be grateful for that, I think is, is a first step. And then I think also there's something development practitioners would call it an appreciative inquiry, but it's approach where you ask the question, what is actually working well here in this community? Starting with an appreciation for the assets, the opportunities, the things that are positive. In any community, there's something that is positive that is a starting point for constructive work in people's uh, lives, whether it's food scarcity is a problem or health issues or financial challenge. There's, there's always some positive thing to focus on. Those heart and mind points of view allow you to not abandon the work or give up in my view. Some people come in and I've seen so many people come and come and go. They'll go with me to see work. And it's almost like their mind can't solve it. So they leave. It's almost like I can't solve this. You're saying it's so complicated, Jason. You're saying, you know, this is such a huge need. I can't fix this with a seven-day trip. Therefore, I'm out. And that's not the answer. So I think the work is to understand how you're personally motivated, how you can be in it for the long term, and really come alongside dear saints and, and brothers and sisters in, in hard circumstance with the right heart attitude. And you know, gratitude and, and appreciation for what's there that's positive or, or good starting points. And then ultimately, of course, giving credit to the Lord and pointing to, to Christ. You know, a while back, I did a podcast with one of our volunteers, Kathy Simonson. And that was such a heartfelt, meaningful podcast to me. And from her podcast, we took a few sentences because it really addresses this issue. And her comments are on our website, on our volunteers page. But Kathy talked about what she liked about So Powerful was the recognition that the people in Zambia understood their assets and their culture, and that So Powerful wasn't there to tell them how to solve their problems, but to walk alongside. And Kathy used that term many times in her podcast, walk alongside. And I just heard you say it too. And it brought that to, to my mind. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely right. There's a famous book in development work called Walking with the Poor uh, by Bryant Myers. He's a professor at Fuller. He uh, used to be a development worker for World Vision. And it's a wonderful book. It's technical. So it's pretty involved in terms of development international relief and development work, but it gets the sentiment right, right up front, you know, and those elements are really important. And so, yeah, I, I think this is exciting to think about. And, and I would just encourage anyone who's listening, who's a part of the So Powerful Ministry to think about these things and to figure out, you know, how we can approach the work together with the hard attitude that everyone would say is spot on. And I mean everyone from the Lord looking down to critics of this kind of efforts to our friends and family that everyone would say, man, you guys have it sorted out. And that's all we can do is do our best to really have thought through these things and make sure that we're clear and we're doing work effectively that is really constructive and positive without unintended consequences or downsides that we haven't thought through. Jason, thank you for talking with me this morning about the Messiah Complex. It's been very enlightening and 
it really makes me stop and think, and I think self-examination is always an important part of anyone's journey. So that this has been great. Thank you. Thank you so much. All right. Bye. Talk to you soon. Bye-bye. <laughs> okay, bye-bye. If what you've heard today inspires you to want to make a difference, I urge you to explore the So Powerful website at www.sopowerful.org. That's S-E-W-P-O-W-E-R-F-U-L dot O-R-G. The website has great information about the organization. It's where you can download the free purse patterns or even make a donation. We hope you will join us again next week when we bring you another So Powerful story. Thanks for listening. Now, go out and have a so powerful day.